Welcome to the Adventure for Good podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Kim. In June 2018, we both left our careers at the age of 31 and started traveling with the mission of finding and creating work locally in the United States and around the world that inspires us while helping other people and the environment. This podcast documents our adventures as well as highlights the inspirational people that we meet along the way. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode two. Today we're talking about finances, right? Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Don't sound like a robot. (laughs) We're planning to talk through how we got to where we're at, which is currently... And where we are. And where we are. Well, we said that in the last episode. And also our budget for next year or this year or whatever year. You told me to have more energy. (laughs) (laughs) So how did we get here? Well, first off, Chris, where are we at? Well, I think before we do that, I think I would like to say that what we're about to talk about is sort of an alternative, I don't want to say an alternative lifestyle because that means something totally different, but um, (laughs) the, the, the thing that we're about to talk about that we've done financially is, first of all, not something that everybody's going to want to do, and we're not here to try and convince you that it's the right way to do things and that we're better than you. Um, it, it's more if it's something you're interested in doing, this is how we did it, and this is how you could likely do it as well. We also understand that not everybody will have the same types of jobs we had, the same types of incomes we had. Some will have much more, some will have much less, but roughly speaking, what we were able to do is something that I would think that most people could probably pull off whether they were able to do it in the amount of time we did or possibly a little longer or Mm -hmm. maybe shorter. Yeah. And we also know that finances can be a little bit of a touchy subject, um, also boring, but we're going to try to be lively and talk you through our story. Also, we strive to be pretty transparent, so that's the other reason for doing this. We like to put everything out there, and if anyone is interested in trying to duplicate or do something similar, you have the information. So, now, now you can tell people where we are. <laughs> if you listen to episode one, you will know that we are currently in the Bolivian jungle, volunteering at a non-governmental organization called EDA Projects. And we worked with this organization in college for through Engineers Without Borders, and then we stayed in touch with them over the last 10 years and decided to come back. So, so long story short is... We were able to work for about eight years and save up enough money, not not necessarily to retire. And that, that's also important that we aren't retired. We do plan to work again in some capacity. But basically, we were able to leave our jobs in May of 2018 with enough cushion if we live frugally and if we're smart with our budget and stick to it, which... Uh, then we we should be able to last a year or two or maybe if we're really lucky three without working and living off of our savings and and being able to do some travel again we plan to work um, but our goal was to get to a point where we could then pick the jobs we want and work when we want and how we want not work because we had to because yeah yeah Exactly. I think that was the biggest thing. We wanted to be in a position where we could choose what we wanted to do and how we wanted to make money. So how were we able to pull this off? And I also just want to make a quick disclaimer. You may hear jungle noises. There's definitely birds and some monkeys outside our window. But 
We graduated college in May of 2010, and we were very fortunate and um, had some help from both of our parents for through college, but we still graduated with a total of about $53,000 in debt, and that was for two engineering degrees, one for each of us. So it's still quite a bit, but compared to what we know other people have in debt, it's not that much. So we wanted to attack that student debt as fast as possible. Uh, so in the summer of 2010, Chris moved to Washington, D.C., and I came to join him and found a job. We both started working and worked there for two years. Also, when we graduated, Chris did have about $4,000 in credit card debt. Thank, thanks to our road trip we took after yeah. we graduated. <laughs> yeah, which the road trip after graduation was amazing and definitely worth it, but um, we had to pay that credit card debt off first and foremost before anything else. And also, it took me about four months to find a job in the Northern Virginia area. Wait, now, wait, are we not counting your month as an insurance salesman? <laughs> yeah. you, made, you made $20 I that I know, month. I'm not counting that. I tried right. to sell life insurance and Medicare supplement plans for one month and made $20. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, and it only took a year and a half for you to get your check. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway. I eventually found an engineering job, which was great. So the first few months were a little tight, but then we both started um, bringing in income and went to work on our student loans as fast as possible. It actually took us three years. Uh, We paid off our student loans successfully by 2013. And so some of the things that we did to allow us to make that happen as fast as we did, and and actually what allowed us to save up as much as we were able to save up and, and cut cut ties as quick as we did, well, um, we, we focused on three major areas. And, and the, the acronym here is the, the three C's. It comes from a book called uh, Financially Stupid People Are Everywhere. Don't be one of them. <laughs> so we'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you're interested in a, a fairly cynical read about the financial system in the U.S. But Basically, the three C's are cars, castles, and credit cards. And so um, starting with credit cards, we mentioned we graduated with about four grand in credit card debt. Since since about month three after yeah. graduation, we haven't had credit card debt. That's not to say we don't use credit cards. We use them all the time to accrue points and travel for much cheaper than we would normally be able to. But we don't we don't carry debt from month to month. The the second one is maybe a little more exciting, and that's our cars. So at least <laughs> we, find, we find it exciting. So after I graduated high school, I was um, my mother. Well, just before I graduated, my mother passed away, and we got a small amount of life not life insurance, but her social security because I was under eighteen. I was able to collect some social security money for a couple of months. So that it totaled up to, I think, about $8,000. And being that we were going to school up in the, the Arctic, <laughs> near near the Arctic, just The shy, upper peninsula of Michigan, kind of the Arctic. My dad required that I no longer drive my 1993 Toyota Celica. That was purple. It was, it was reddish blue. <laughs> and you got a purple car in high school. <laughs> And so I got a 2000 Nissan Maxima uh, with a stick shift, front-wheel drive. It was awesome. I know. It was just your favorite car, wasn't and, it? Yep. And I drove that car from 2005 until 2014. 
So a good solid nine years of driving that car and put it put it through the ringer. Yeah, we took it on road trips and lots of things. It was an amazing car. However, as as cheap as that is, Kim actually had a sweeter deal. I, I did. I, I really lucked out. When I turned 16, my grandmother uh, was at the point in her life that she decided that she didn't felt safe driving anymore. And she had previously purchased a 1999 Toyota Camry, gray. And so I think that's definitely the old car of all grandmas, right? It's the official car of grandparents. <laughs> yes. Anyway, when I turned 16, she stopped driving, and we set up an agreement where I drove her to appointments, and I also drove her to shopping or what she needed, and also came and and worked with her at her house with whatever she needed done, gardening or around the house, and uh, essentially spent time with her. And in return, my grandparents gave me their car, and that was a fantastic arrangement. First off, they gave me a really reliable car, and that was a bonus to have when you're 16, 17 years old, especially. And also, they all allowed me to spend a lot of time with my grandma and my grandparents in general. So I think that was a really amazing gift that they gave me. Uh, so long story short, I ended up driving that car from the time I was 16 till my 30th birthday, and we took it everywhere that a Camry should not go, but that car was incredible. Uh, we did not have to do much maintenance on it. It was a powerhouse of a car. <laughs> yeah, we, we put roof racks on it and a trailer hitch on it. We took it on adventure races. We put canoes, paddle boards on the roof. Bikes on the back. Bikes on the trailer hitch with a, a rack. So we drove it to Florida and back at, at least once. So at multiple times, yeah. yeah. It, we put... I think over 200,000 miles on it from the time that you got it. So, and it, and then actually we sold it to uh, my best friend's sister and she's still driving it today. I think it has a few more dents in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But she named it Phyllis after my grandmother. Yep. So Phyllis is still alive and kicking out there, uh, being driven around the Grand Rapids area. (laughs) Michigan. Yes. Yep. So besides the Camry, after my car died, we were in a, sort of a spot where it, it actually fell right at the same time that Kim's dad had a stroke, which we talked about in the first episode. But we were driving back and forth from basically Detroit to Lansing multiple times a week, and we only had one car, and which which was fine when we were home and didn't have any issues because Kim worked from home and I only worked a few minutes from home, so... One car was okay, but then when we had to start driving to Lansing, and we basically decided we needed another car. And so we determined that a 2003 Toyota 4Runner yes. was was the best car for us because we were going to take it camping and hiking and all the places that the Camry shouldn't go yeah. but we're, did We're go. very outdoor people and so, wanted to use that. So we bought a used... Toyota 4Runner for just under $11,000 and in cash. And then we basically drove it like three or four times on the trips that we talked about doing. And we found that we were always saying, well, let's just take the Camry because it costs way less to drive. And the Camry <laughs> works just as well. Yeah. It, it was, I really did love the 4Runner. I didn't say I didn't love it. I, I know, just didn't love paying for I it. I didn't either. So. <laughs> So after, I think, about 10, 11 months, we sold it for about, actually, for exactly $10,500. So with repairs and maintenance, the car cost us probably about two two grand. 
Yeah. And was sort of one of those where we're like, well, we wish we hadn't done it, but it wasn't the end of the world. And we actually went down to one car where... Yeah, it was a lesson learned. Yeah. So we... Again, Kim was working from home. I was only about four miles from work. So I would bike some days, and if it was too cold, I would use the car, or she would drop me off, or I'd get a ride from somebody at work. So we were able to get by with one car for almost... For three two, years. Three years? Yeah, it was a yeah. long time. And because we, we had the Camry, and then in 2016, you got a new job and got a work car. Yep, and that was another huge stroke of luck so I got a new job where I was basically doing sales and so they gave me a car and they covered insurance they covered gas and there's a complicated formula for how much we had to pay in our taxes for it but at the end of the day it cost us probably about uh about a thousand dollars a year to have the car and that included driving it basically everywhere we wanted we took it on Again, we took it a road trip <laughs> to Florida. We took it on a road trip to Alabama. We, we drove, put a trailer hitch on it until we, we had our bikes. Yeah, we, we basically turned it into the Camry <laughs> yeah. after we sold the Camry and drove it everywhere we possibly could. And we had sold the Camry because we decided that we, even though having two cars was really nice, we didn't need it. And car insurance in Michigan is fairly expensive as well as, you know, maintenance. So It's ridiculously yeah. expensive. So, so we sold the Camry and just went down to Chris's work car for almost, or I guess about a year and a half. Yep. And so, yeah, so that's our sort of our car story. Um, yeah, we lucked out at the end. I don't know. I worked hard for that job. <laughs> you did work hard for the job. It was a lot of interviews, but I'm just saying not many people get a work car. Yep. So the the last one is the the third C was castles and which maybe translates better to houses. Um but for us we we almost bought a house once and then we didn't. Yeah, so, in 2012. Yeah, almost. we we basically kept our apartment that we moved into in 2012 until we quit our jobs in 2018 and we lived in an apartment in dc first and then for two years and then an apartment and then a townhouse and then we moved into an apartment in southeastern michigan after we moved back to michigan and stayed there for six years even though it was small it was only 700 square feet we made it very homey and it made it work i know there's a lot of different philosophies out there about whether renting or buying and which is more financially beneficial however for us we wanted the flexibility and um, I guess didn't have to want to have to worry about having a house and property and the time of our lives because we wanted to be able to leave whenever we wanted to. Well, and, and more importantly, the the cost of our apartment was relatively fixed. And when you're trying to save money like we were, it was important for us to not have surprise expenses. Mm-hmm. And so we knew from month to month that our expenses were going to be somewhere within about 20 to $30 of each other, actually even tighter than that, because we knew what our utilities cost, and most of them were included, and we knew if something broke, we didn't, we didn't have to fix it. So for six years, we knew exactly what our costs were going to be, and we never had any surprises. And, no. and a lot of things broke in our apartment, too. <laughs> yeah, over six years, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, maybe if we had bought a house, we could have sold it for more than we paid for it. But who knows? We would have maybe had to put a ton of maintenance in. And again, 
there's a ton of different philosophies and blog posts out there, and, and we'll link some in the show notes about renting versus buying and what you know what all the considerations there are. But again, for us, in how much space we needed, and and actually it was a benefit that it was small because we didn't accumulate a ton of crap that we didn't need. Yeah. Actually, we did, but we did, but we fit it in. <laughs> we had paddle boards on our living room ceiling and bikes in our bedroom. So. <laughs> yeah, we basically for us, it seemed to make the most sense to rent. And at the end of the day, when we were ready to be done, we walked over to the apartment, handed them the keys, cleaned it out, and we were on our way. <laughs> it took us a while to clean it out, but, but we did it. Yeah, and we were, that was it. So, yeah, but I guess the point is there we didn't have to sell a house, we didn't have to mess right. with all that. It was much, it was, much, much easier. Right. So, those are the, the three big things that we focused on. At the same time, we also tried to cook most of our meals. We didn't go out to eat a ton if we could help it. We got a little lazy at times like everybody does. And Yeah, we were not that disciplined, but we tried. And and we tried tons of different apps for budgeting and creating budgets. And we, we honestly found we just aren't that great at sticking to a budget. And I think part of that is, you know, a lot of the times when people talk about budgeting, they'll say, well, set a goal for your savings. And, and once you hit that goal spend everything else because you've earned it or something to that effect. But for us, it was more like we need to save as much as we can, not like a certain number. And so it was really hard for us to say, this is how much we're allowed to spend this month. And then we spend it and then we, we don't spend anything else. So we, we tried it, we tried it a few times and we failed miserably. So we just, I wouldn't say failed miserably. We just, it was pretty miserable. (laughs) We knew our fixed costs every month, and then we tried to keep the rest of our costs reasonable. So we definitely didn't limit ourselves on everything, uh, but we tried to keep the big picture in mind because we knew we were trying to save as much money as we could. I also wanted to mention a couple other quick things that we did to try to cut our costs and save as much money as we could. We never had cable TV. Uh, We did have Netflix and Hulu for different time periods, but honestly, the last year, I don't, we didn't have either one of those. Nope, lots of YouTube. <laughs> lots of YouTube, yes. Uh, we also, Chris was fortunate enough to have a work phone for the last six years that we were working, so we only had to pay for one cell phone, which was great. And then also, we picked up side hustles here and there when we could. So I did some tutoring for a few years to try to make some extra money. And, and Chris did some contract engineering work to make a little bit extra money. So that Plus all... I made all sorts of dough selling stuff on eBay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. He also sold a lot of our stuff on eBay, which was great. Our stuff and stuff we bought for cheap. So yeah, I think all said, we, we made about $1,000 selling stuff on eBay. So Which is so cool. Yeah, That's and awesome. it was it was just sort of, we we were just trying to find different ways to make a little bit of money here and there because every little bit helps. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, we also really wanted to mention again that we're not retired and we didn't even reach financial independence. And we, we wanted to talk really quick about what, financial independence sort of means in terms for for us. So uh, we mentioned in the last episode and earlier in this one about some different blogs that that talk about financial independence. And essentially the the point there is to get to a point where you have enough savings invested in the stock market or whatever you choose to invest in that you can then live off of the interest or 
the appreciation that's coming off of those investments. And so there's sort of a rough rule of thumb that says if your expenses for the year are 4% roughly of your uh, total investment value or net worth, or another way to look at it would be that your total investment net worth is 25 times your annual expenses, you have a pretty good chance of being able to live off of those investments without depleting them. So it's not a perfect science and there's a whole bunch of studies that were done and a whole bunch of basically computer analysis and computer simulations that were run that sort of showed that it's a high percentage. So for example, if you knew that your annual expenses were $30,000 a year, you would need 25 times that or $750,000 invested to be able to have a pretty good chance of not running out of money and being able to live off of that indefinitely. Right. So our goal was to try to hit that point before we left work, but <laughs> we didn't we didn't not not necessarily that number of 750, but somewhere that we felt that we could live off of our investments and we didn't even get to that point and we so again we're not retired we're not rich we didn't win the lottery we're not trust fund babies we just we got to a point where we said well we can probably live for two years and we can travel and find something that we're passionate about and at that point we'll find some work that we're passionate about and then we'll work again yeah If you're interested in learning more about the 4% rule and some strategies to get there, we'll list a bunch of our favorite references and resources in the show notes on our webpage. So now that you have a little bit of background in how we got here, we wanted to talk a little bit about our budget for the year. And I know we've said that we are not the best at sticking to the budget, but we... Which which will become very apparent in later episodes. (laughs) Yes. However, we wanted to set a goal for ourselves. And... Our goal was to travel from June 2018 to June 2019 in South America for under $10,000. And why $10,000? It does seem like a little bit of a random number, but after doing research, you know, we felt that $10,000 would be a reasonable amount of money to allow us to travel and have fun and not worry about every single penny. At the same time, we would return home in a year with some money left, hopefully. <laughs> and we thought it would be a good number to shoot for. So Yeah, and even if we missed it, we knew that we would still come home with enough money to live on for at least a few months before we had to go and find jobs. Right. So right. We figured be a little conservative and then we'll we'll even if we miss it, we'll still be all right. Yeah. So we have set ourselves up a a spreadsheet that we keep track of all of our expenses, and we did not include expenses that we bought in preparation for our trip. So the copious amounts of sunscreen that we brought with us, (laughs) or the bug spray, spray, medicine, vaccinations, Bolivian visas, all of those types of things, we did not include in our $10,000. The budget started when we left the states on June 4th. So we've broken our budget down into some simple categories like travel, groceries, restaurants, etc. to help keep our spreadsheet organized and have an idea of where we're spending money. But the overall goal, like we said, is to spend $10,000 or less traveling. There are a few strategies that we're using as we travel to try to stick to that number, one of which is volunteering and working at um, some workaway hosts, which we talked about a little bit in episode one, and we'll get into a lot more detail about in future episodes. 
Yeah, and so one thing that is also important to mention, and, and maybe to break this number down further for us to sort of keep on track, is what is our dollar per day allowance? And one thing that came off the top right away, I know we mentioned we didn't include vaccinations and medical stuff and all sorts of things that we purchased in preparation for this, but one thing we did include was our travel insurance. So travel insurance, if, if you're not familiar with it, is, well, well you know, cover you partially if your computer's stolen or your camera's stolen or part of your trip gets canceled and it's not your fault or the most important piece for us, those were those were what we would consider relatively small costs that didn't really warrant the almost $3,000 we spent for a year of travel insurance because we figured, well, I'm not going to spend $3,000 to potentially cover me for a $500 camera. But what what for us was sort of the turning point here is if something happened to one of us, you know, broken bone or severe illness or something severe medical wise, we have the ability to be evacuated out of the country or to safety to a bigger city. And it's basically we're covered for almost a million dollars in terms of that. So Again, not something we want to have happen, but we can't we can't absorb a five hundred thousand dollar cost or even a, a thirty thousand dollar helicopter ride. So <laughs> hope not. So the the travel insurance for us, again, hopefully we never need it, but came off the top and it was about twenty eight hundred dollars is what we yeah. paid for that. So our starting budget was actually for our time in South America was just under seventy two hundred dollars. And when you break that down per day, it's about $19.50. So that gave us a number to shoot for every day. We could kind of look at what we spent and say, did we meet it? Did we beat it? And and where are we at moving forward? So we've sort of been keeping track of that. And we'll be talking a lot more about our budget every month or so. We're going to try to do like a budget update and talk about how we did the past month and what went wrong, what went right, and what we plan to do to maybe get back on track if we get off track. Which yeah, which if you looked at our website at all, you'll see that we have a couple blog posts up to discuss how we did on the budget for the first few months of travel. And our plan now is to talk about it as a short segment in, once a month in our podcast and also put the numbers on our blog as show notes. So we'll be doing that as we move forward with the podcast. So I think we've probably beat this horse to death. Yeah, I think everyone's probably asleep by now. I know I am. <laughs> So so maybe we say goodbye for now, and we will be back in two weeks to talk about our first month of travel where we lived in Ecuador and worked our asses off, literally. (laughs) I don't know if we worked. We walked our asses off. Okay, fine. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll we'll be back in two weeks to talk about what we did in Ecuador, how we did budget-wise in Ecuador, and... More about Workaway and and how that system works. Yep. In the meantime, if you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from any of you. You can find us at our website, adventureforgood.com. That's the number four. Please reach out. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at underscore adventureforgood. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Right? Right. Say bye. Bye.